This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth brings you quality clothing and packs at a price that you deserve. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. Right now they're running a spring turkey sale uh, with 20% off. There's a coupon code right there at the website. Uh, Go ahead and check that out. We've got tons of their stuff we've been trying out. I've been using some of their stuff since late season and uh, really happy with it. One of the things with the Huntworth stuff is I always saw this stuff online and it was relatively inexpensively priced compared to, you know, some of the other technical brands. That's one of their things is that they're trying to bring you high quality gear at a reasonable price. Stuff's kind of fit more for the whitetail hunter, not fit for not such a tailored fit. You know, it's just comfortable hunting clothing that performs and uh, they're giving away a ton of that in our patreon giveaway Uh, shout out to our latest patreon steve ferris he's in that giveaway Uh, he's out of indiana can't thank him enough that giveaway so huntworth is giving away a full setup for this turkey season so uh, sweatshirt jacket pants hat gloves everything that you need and uh, the the pants in the sweatshirt are by far some of my favorite pieces of gear that they've got uh, so far the durham pants are great and then their grid fleece hoodie uh, with the built-in face mask uh, awesome gear they're giving away all of that along with the bear montana bow that we're giving away so we're giving away a bear montana longbow selway and Chris Perino have given us the 
grayling quiver. Uh, one of our Patreons, Tom Taylor, he put together a set of arrows. It's going to be everything you need. You'll hear us talk on this podcast a little bit about uh, me shooting the longbow and just how fun it is. And uh, that's why we wanted to give one away. And then Bear has given us a bunch of accessories to go along with it. Some DVD sets, um, a book, a Fred Bear book, some patches, some other things that we're going to be giving away. Uh, this year we're also working with Lucky Buck. So Lucky Buck, I just sent um, a bunch of that stuff down to Ohio for the property that Frank's been hunting down there. Um, the the Lucky Buck we put out in the UPs already got deer that are hitting it. And uh, go check them out at uh, luckybuck.com. There's the new Freak Factor. I sent some of that down there with Frank as well. They're going to be giving away a tub of the Lucky Buck or... Uh, some of their their seed um, in the Patreon giveaway. And we're also working with Spartan Forge. So Spartan Forge is artificial intelligence for the deer woods. Basically, it takes all of these collared deer studies, puts that information into a military artificial intelligence, and it tracks and predicts where these deer are going to move on certain winds and certain conditions at certain times of the year. So you can type in your zip code, where you're hunting, and their mapping is absolutely incredible, and it's just going to get better. There's a couple updates that are coming. Their pro staff, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, um, Taylor Chamberlain, the guys from Seek One, Levi Morgan, all of these guys are testing this in the field and putting on it what they would like. And so Spartan Forge is giving away one of the one-year subscriptions to their service. And what else do we got? Zinger Fletchings, they're giving away um, some of their uh, 3D-printed Fletchings. Um, we've got a Bino Harness we're giving away. I mean, we're just giving away a ton of stuff. Spartan Forge, you can go check them out at spartanforge.ai, and you can use code bowhunter to save 25% over there. Really, really happy with that. There's just so much uh, stuff. So Patreon is a crowdfunding for creators, and it, yes, it does get you into the giveaway, and it helps us to do all the stuff that we do host the podcast um, all the equipment for the video, for recording, uh, all of that. But it, it really does help us do other things. Like right now, um, through Patreon, we're, you'll hear us talk about some different releases on here. Um, one of our Patreons has offered up one of his Hinge releases, and we're sending that around the Patreon group. Uh, so if anybody wants to try Hinge, he's got one. And we're going to be sending that around. I'm sending a, sending out the... Uh, silverback so i'm sending that off to washington to stan and then i've still got all those saddles to try out so in this off season we've got all these saddles and we've sent them around the country for people to try out and that's just one of the many things that we do for patreon there's ads on the podcast now patreons get an ad free feed and you know for 33 cents a day or you know five dollars a month whatever you can support the show help us out and we do all the things that we can give, do to give back. Uh, our Marco Polo group right now, they're talking about uh, first deer, crazy deer stories, getting shot at. Um, and it's kind of like a, a virtual deer camp, you know, so you can uh, mess with your buddies on there and, and everything. It's just a lot of fun. 
And that's all through Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles podcast, or you can um, just click the link on our Instagram or on bowhunterchroniclespodcast.com. Uh, one of the things also that we are talking about on here is this bow pod uh, from DIY Bow Hunting. I'm going to have a link in the show notes for that. Um, Mark's a great guy. He was helping me out to figure this out. And I don't make any money off of this. This is just a idea that I had that I wanted to make because I thought it would be helpful. And uh, he's got them up on his site. So you guys can go there and pick one up if you'd like. But um, yeah, that's that's what we've got. The 20th of April, um, 9 p.m., on Instagram, I'm going to go live and we're going to give away uh, all the stuff for this quarter's giveaway. And then for the following quarter, um, I'll get with Huntworth and see um, if they've got some more things for us to give away, as well as um, we're going to be talking with the guys from Redline. I've been shooting one of their sites and uh, I really like their quiver. Uh, they're going to be giving away one of their full packages. So uh, a Redline uh, multi pin adjustable site. Um, five arrow quiver and then a stabilizer so we're going to be giving that away uh, in addition to the things from lucky bucks spartan forge uh, zinger all of that so you know we're trying to give back as much as we can but um, we appreciate everybody that listens so if patreon's not for you no big deal but just tell somebody about this leave us a review um, this episode is a lot of fun um, a lot of bow talk, uh, a lot of John talking. So, uh, yeah, I know you guys are going to enjoy it as always. Thanks for listening. All right, everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And, uh, we're just going to kind of go through and give like a little update on the things that we've been doing and what we've been up to. Um, I feel like we've done a lot of stuff. We got, I mean, if you just look around the studio here, there's so much new stuff that we've been trying, testing. John's been reluctantly setting up for us. Um, but John, back from your uh, vacation there, uh, how did that go? That went great. Um, didn't want to come back. That's <laughs> you, for sure. I think you say that every single time. I think you're like. Uh, this one was actually like the worst. I mean, like I'm, you didn't want to come back worst or like the worst like vacation? The, it was the hardest to come back from. I mean, having being down there for two weeks, having the boat for two weeks, and then we ended up the uh, the weather didn't cooperate like I was hoping it would. But I mean, that's how it goes during the winter. But only got to troll like really two days. So, but we did luck out. Got two wahoo. Had one other one on. But uh, I mean, we caught a ton of other fish. Just, no. Now, is that like your, like when you go down there to fit, like when you go on vacation, is that like your main like concern? Yeah. Like I barely seen my wife. Like she was like, maybe next year we could just go spend a day together. Like, <laughs> like well, you, you come out on the boat. <laughs> so. And and so like, I've had this question, I've had this question a couple times just about like, you know, with the podcast and like. What do we do? Um, what, how does it, everything work? You know, and I'm like, well, John's a bow guy. So, like, when I'm talking to people about like gear and stuff like that, like, I can talk about saddles, I can talk about platforms, I can talk for days on climbing sticks, 
but I think in your absence, I've like had to learn more about like, yeah, I was, Fletch and arrows. <laughs> I was pretty surprised. I seen you like you fletched some arrows and the, they didn't, the veins didn't fall off and they looked pretty good. I'm like, shit. I'm like, it's like, it's like, all right, well, damn it. I, and I was talking to Kyle from the DCA, uh, custom arrows and he's got the new fletchings out and stuff and talking about fletching arrows and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like literally becoming like a bow nerd. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm down here. I'm fletching arrows and I'm like looking at different point weights. I'm looking at the calculators and trying to figure out like, okay, I set my own site up and like what John looks at it immediately. And he's like, well, that's off. And this is off. And I'm like, well, I, I'm, I'm on out to like 20. I did, I did what you would do. I went 20, 40, 80, like, you know, so but um, one of the things that I, I like, it's like, it's been like pressing on my mind. Like, I want to know, like, if you had like the ultimatum, right? It's like, you could never. And I think, I think I know the answer. So I'll have to change it. Like, if you could never shoot your bow again, or you could never fish again, like, what would you? Ah, oh, man, that's a tough one. But I think I would have to go with fishing. Like, I'd give up my bow. I know, and that, and, and like that's what I think. And like for for like the the whole idea behind the the question is, it's like it's like I know that you like to shoot your bow and you like tinkering and stuff, but it's like I think you really like enjoy the fishing. Well, yeah, like the I mean, fishing to me, like going down there and trying to figure. It's just like going out west, or you know, trying to figure everything out, and then going down there and doing it myself, like. I mean, we've been, I've been on a ton of charters and then I just get frustrated. It's like, no, this is, I want to bring my own gear. I want to go out and figure it out. You go out on a charter and half the time we were out of, you know, we we're down like Mexico or Barbados. We've been to the Cayman Islands and you're basically at, you know, their will. Like, what do you want to, you know, we want to go out and catch a Wahoo. Well, there's no Wahoo right now. Well, there's always Wahoo. But, like, the marlin are in. So, that's what they're, they're like, yeah, we're going to go after Wahoo. And then they throw out all the marlin baits. And, like, yeah, we're not fishing. Where most Wahoo. people wouldn't know the difference. R- right. You know, like, they're throwing out huge plugs on the surface. And you could get a Wahoo on that. But it's like, no, we're marlin fishing. You know, it's, it's still fun. I mean, I've caught a marlin. And they actually are, you know, good eating. But. I don't know, just going down to Florida and doing it myself. We run a boat and I'm the captain and, you know, like I bring all my own gear, build most of my gear. And then just the, the fact that going out, trying to find the fish, doing everything right. And then all of a sudden we get that hook up and you reeled in and you see this zebra fish coming in and it's like, oh it's a fucking wahoo, you know, and everyone's screaming on the boat, wahoo. And I don't know. But I mean, the other thing about the ocean is, I mean, I love fishing around here too. I love going walleye fishing, you know, not necessarily. I mean, I like going over to the Lake Erie, Saginaw Bay, especially during the ice. But, you know, and I know you don't like the meat trolling when you're pulling boards. I mean, there's not a whole lot of sport in that. I like going out night fishing here for walleye. And that's just one rod. And I'm targeting, you know, I'm watching my graph and basically calling out the shots like, oh, there's a fish right there. Get ready. You know, bam. It don't happen every time, but, but the ocean, I mean, everybody knows like 
you never know what you're going to catch. I mean, you're out there targeting Wahoo. We, we ended up picking, picking up, we got a nice blackfin tuna, a uh, couple kingfish, um, bonito, bonita, whatever. It's actually, I think, a, called a false albacore, but I don't know, just, there's just something about the ocean, man. You can just, I mean, even when it was rough and we couldn't get out and troll, we still, like, we went over to the golf and dinked around, caught some small fish. I went snorkeling, caught my first lobster by hand. It was too small. Got my first stone crab by hand, which that was a little scary. You know, I'm like, them things will pinch your finger right off if you get, if they get a hold of you. Most guys use a trap and get them in a trap, but I don't know. I watch, obviously, I watch a ton of YouTube and I like, uh, Key West Waterman, he's got a ton of really good videos. So, I don't know. It's just, I think I would have to give up my bow. I mean. And does that, like, like does that, like, pain you at all? Do you think, like, like yeah. man, like, you'd you'd be, like, bummed out? Or you'd be like, well, I guess I'd have more time for fishing. Yeah, I mean, well, I think about, like, if I were living down there, especially, like, down in the Keys, there's not a whole lot of room to be shooting my bow. Like, I definitely wouldn't be shooting 100 yards. I'd be shooting over across, <laughs> you know, three houses and <laughs> in the canal. Or, like, some of those places, like, down where, like, when I was down there, like, in Key Largo, like, I would bet you that the whole island wasn't 100 yards wider. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there was, like, a restaurant over here, like, two lanes of highway, and then a, oh, yeah, a yeah. hotel over there. I mean, you could definitely be uh, flinging some arrows at some iguanas because they were everywhere. <laughs> but uh, the neighbors might, you know, frown on that. Yeah. Well, I just, like I said, I, I just wanted to ask because people are like, oh man, he's, you know, he's really into the fishing, like all the stuff. And I'm like, uh, like, I don't think you understand like the, the level. Cause like for me, like when I, when I talk about like John being the bow guy and stuff, I think it's because I'm like more, um, like mesmerized by like the building of the strings, like the, the understanding, I think I would have to imagine on a level, like once you completely understand it, like it's, it's repeatable, exactly. right? Yeah. So it, there might, it might be like boring or monotonous at that point. I was just talking, uh, the guy I'm working with right now, he, you know, has no clue about archery stuff. I mean, he goes out and gun hunts and stuff, but you know, and we're talking about building strings and I'm like, you know, it, I remember I used to look at like the Lancaster catalog and then I end up, you know, just like with fishing, I'm flipping through and looking at all the stuff and I'm geeking out. And then I'd always come to the page where like string material, I'm like who in the hell, why do they sell string material? Who in the hell would build their own string when you can just call them, you know, order them up? I mean, and so then I started researching it and I'm like, well, maybe it's not as bad as it, you know, it seems. And I found that, uh, those BAP archery or whatever they build, they sell jigs and stuff. So I started looking at his jigs and I'm like, well, shit, they're pretty, it's pretty simple. I mean, I could build that. So, I mean, we've said this in the, in the pod, in previous podcasts, I just went out in the garage, pretty much had everything, you know, laying around the steel and stuff. So I built my own jigs. I did have to go buy a piece of C channel or Unistrut and built my own jig. And then, yeah, the first string was pretty, you know, like scary. Like, but you mess it up. Who cares? You're just wasting a little bit of material. There's actually a lot there. So, I mean, it was like probably, I sp- 
probably spent a hundred bucks in material to start with. You know, you got to buy a spool of spr- spool string. Uh, yeah, I already had the bobbins because I, you know, center serving, and then end up buying some end serving, and then just figuring out like the measurements and stuff. So BAP archery, like if you, I went on their website and they sell a spreadsheet basically, but it's set up for like their, their jig. Their jig only stretches like 300 pounds or maybe 350. Well, the jig I built, I'm stretching up to like 600, 650. So the first couple strings I built, you know, that, that spreadsheet, um, you put in your string length, you put in your cable length, you put in, you know, your split bus and your control and it spits out that you put in the links and then it puts out how many twists, what your if you have a uh, two post layup, three post, four post, you select it. I have a two post. So then it tells you like what your rough layout is. So then you set your jig at that length, you lay it up. So I'm doing 24 strands. And then um, it'll tell you your twist rate. So, so this is just this is not actual numbers, but say it's a sixty-inch string, and it's like forty-three twists. And then after you get it all twisted up, you stretch it. Well, when I was stretching it, I'm stretching it for like twenty-four hours at six hundred pounds. Well, my strings ended up long. So what I did was then I went in. And all the little numbers you can you can you know change them to whatever. So I think the can't remember the exact numbers, but I started taking a couple thousands off for you know for the six hundred pound, and it took me probably four strings to get it to the point where I didn't have to put any more twists in to get it to the actual the final length. So you just you're just following a a a process at that point you're just right and so and is that so for a guy like me who like every time i like while you were gone so john was gone for like fuck i don't know seemed like forever because i had a bow that i wanted to set up and i was like fuck so (laughs) but i like i'd take the bow into the club and i'd look at the at the uh press press i'm gonna be like i don't think so like i've got the peep site i've got the Thing. And I wouldn't have tied it in, so I just shot it once, and it went fucking flying out. And then I'd, I'd learned my lesson uh, pretty quickly. But uh, realistically, like that's kind of <laughs> like what would happen. So for for guys that are like maybe they're they're not like ready to like just jump in and do that. Like like for me, like how do you just go ahead and decide like oh I'm gonna tear a bow apart yeah like that kind of so it's always intimidating like especially on a bow that I haven't I've never worked on like. Like when I was working on the expedition for our buddy Tracy and I told him, I'm like, dude, I don't have experience with the expedition. I've never worked on, but it's, you know, all bows are basic. I mean, they have the same components, you know, you got your riser, you got your limb pockets, your limbs, and then your cams. And that was just a, you know, standard, you know, dual cam with, you know, two cables, same, but yeah, there's always like the little bit of intimidation factor, but just like you just got to do it you know and you just got to be safe with it so that's the thing like when you're putting a bow in a press you th- there is things that you can do and screw up like if a, a that bow is one of them actually like so you have to take on elites 
that <laughs> leads <laughs> elite bows. So you have to take off the timing peg in order to get it into the press right. Well, you got to remember to put that back on because if you draw it back without the the stop, the draw stop, they'll roll over and lock up. And that actually happened with an elite because that's another bow brand that I don't really work on. And that was actually a brand new bow and it rolled over and locked up. Well, then I had to have the guy that was the owner of the bow, like, okay, very carefully put your hands. No, don't put your fingers inside the cams or anything. Just kind of on the outside and just help roll them over. And one rolled over and one didn't, and it pulled the cable off. It didn't blow up or anything. It just, it derailed. I let it down and it screwed up the serving, which for me, it was easy fix. I mean, I just brought the bow back home, put it in my press, took that cable off and just reserved it. But, you know, so that was, that was a learning, you know. So like, where do you, where, where do you say that you would start? Like, so do you start like, like, like for me, like, so. We so, got this. We got this bow here from Bear. It's a Bear Alaskan. We're ta- we put a whole bunch of new stuff on there that's all different for us. Um, so, like the Bear Alaskan, this is the standard old. You have a split, a split yoke, and this is one of the easiest bows to t- tune if you have a press. So, like once you get your center shot set, I just eyeball it. You know, you can measure it. Most of them are like thirteen sixteen. So that's your center. And then you get you tie in your loop, get your peep sight in, and then you paper tune it and say you're getting a right tear. Well, then you just put it in the press and you put a couple twists in the right side or you take a couple out of the left. So, how does that work? That And that's what I was talking about earlier where it's just like you just you just know, right? Like you, you're, you've just done it so many times. Right. So, so, is it just like when you're adjusting a sight if you're shooting left, move it left? So, if you're tearing left move it left yeah twist in the left i mean there's so much like now with youtube i mean that was like i watched every video that dudley ever made like on how to tune a bow that was like one of the things that helped bring me to the level that i'm at now is just going on and even you know my brother even made the comment like well john's no master he just watches youtube well when you want to learn something what do you do you go and you find information and you use that information if it's good information and that's knowledge that you've just acquired. So, in the past, I'd read books on it. I, I mean, Pete Shepley put out VHS video on super tuning, I mean, 30 years ago. Like, I remember going up the family video, and it was in the free section. I would, like, have it out every other day. Like, you know, on how to super tune a bow back then. And so, Pete Shepley, PSE, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's just, but now with YouTube, it's open to everyone. I mean, and it's a lot easier. I mean, you got to go through and and pick the right people because there's a lot of bad information out there too. But, like, you can't go wrong with watching John Dudley. I mean, you go to Knock on Archery and look at his videos. They're all, they're great, full of information. And I'd have to imagine that, like, when you say that they're all great, the what you're talking about i would have to imagine is like the the technique or the idea behind it yeah. because you might not agree with his information you might not say like you know 
you might him and Troy Fowler will probably have a right. a, 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 a that's all I'm saying is like yeah. th- there's going to be some sort of yeah well, inherent so like, bias in so there, right? Troy the, the ranch fairy no I, and I don't uh, want to get into like a heavy arrow like that no 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 but but so Troy doesn't normally tune his bow like he tunes his arrows to his bow he gets a basic tune on it and then he so he's like the other side of the spectrum. So if that's what you want to do and you want to build an arrow, you still have to build your arrows to your bow. But we're not going to go out and buy, you know, 10 sets of arrows and then cut them down. I mean, and Dudley does the same thing, even with like with their target archery. You, you go back in and look at some of that, like when they're shooting the old, the barreled shafts. And they're like, okay, you got to cut four inches off the back, you know, because when you're shooting 100 yards and... Th- it's like, holy shit, that's way too much. Your brain starts frying when you can get it. So, I'm talking like tying in a peep, tying in your your D-loop and your knock sets, just doing a basic bow setup, you know, how to put center shot, mount your sight, you know, and this, just the process, like from step one to 20, you know, those that's what I'm talking about. And he's got all that on there. And there's a ton of people that do. So if you don't like Dudley, just search up someone else. But yeah, I just, I wanted to just caveat that to be like, well, you, you know, anybody is going to say like, Oh, well, John Dudley, he, the only sell, you know, he's just selling his stuff and right. you know, it's all that. So I just wanted to like, kind of say basically the information from the bow setup and all that sort of stuff, the technique, the how to be safe, all of those types of things are going to be good information right. as opposed to like, well, you have to have a silverback. You have to have yeah. this. You have to have that. No, I'm not saying that at all. It's it just like the basic bow tuning and setup stuff. Those videos, his videos are, you know, great. So I, I brought it down here. It's too far away for me to go grab right now i guess i could let john talk and go grab it but so one of the things when i brought up that silverback is um so like i say we got like a ton of new stuff that we're messing with they're messing with the we got some red line stuff the red line sites and stuff we'll have a podcast coming out with them here shortly or may come out before this one um the easy v i've been shooting frank's been shooting um at chafer rest we're uh, shooting that that bear Alaskan, and that bow is sixty pounds. Yeah. And uh, I I had some uh, a bow stand made for it, uh, which I'm pretty pretty happy with. Um, and uh, it's similar to the one I welded up. <laughs> well, and that's what I said. I, you know, because there was all this talk about like getting ready for turkey hunting, and you know the Magnus, how they used to make one, and they're not available or they're available. You know, average Jack archery, he's got a video on how to make one out of like a, some sort of tie plate, I guess. It's a a construction tie plate you buy at Lowe's and then you, I don't know, put some screws through it or whatever. And it was like, I, I guess like for myself and it's, it ends up with a lot of things being like time or money. Like, so do you got more time than money? Like, could you put it together? And like, so John, I would trust everything that John does and, you know, John welded one up and, and that, but it ended up breaking because the, either the weld broke or something, the arrow busted off. I don't well, know what. I happened. snagged it on the tent when I jumped out <laughs> and it broke the, cause I just took a couple old field tips 
and then took a piece of plate steel, drilled a hole in it for the center sh- for the stabilizer hole, and then just tack welded those field tips on. And it worked great till I busted out of the tent and the the one arrow snagged, and it just broke the field tip off. So I, you know, yeah, you you could replace it or whatever. But I was just thinking, like, right, realistically, with all the guys out there doing three D printing and all that, yeah, stuff. that's that's like perfect right there because then you can change the degree and everything and yeah figure it out so we're um, working with um mark at diy bow hunter um he's the guy that makes the camera arms and uh so i was like hey i got this idea like i know you're pretty busy with stuff and he's like you know what i've been working on something similar and i'm like he's like i don't know if anybody would like it or not and i'm like yeah. i'm like he'd sell it, the shit out of those it's it's well dudley put it into the you know into the PSE riser. Like, yeah. And and so, again, like it's not a like super novel idea. You could certainly make one yourself, but it's like if there's something out there, just that as simple as that. Right. Like you could. That's, I mean, that's perfect. And and, and so for, for me, like. Maybe I should get a 3D printer because of all the shit that I've, you know, build and fabricate. It's like instead of making I, a. So, so I've said this, like basic, I, I said it to John, but I was talking to my wife about it and I, she was like, well, what, you know, is, is John going to be on this podcast? Is he going to do this? And I'm like, you know, he's on vacation and then he just came back and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, I feel like John's wife. I'm like, he doesn't have time for me anymore. Like, he's, <laughs> he's working all the time. And like, <laughs> like, cause before when you weren't working as much, it was like, Hey, I need this. I need this done. Right. And it's like, you were out doing fun stuff. And now it's like, you're grumpy when you get home. Like, yeah. Getting home at <laughs> freaking seven o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night. It's working shits for the birds. <laughs> but, but yeah. So anyways, um, yeah, we're got a whole bunch of stuff. Like we're, John's going to shoot that bow with, uh, some, we got these new, Zinger's got some six fletch. Uh, they were call- They didn't know what they were going to call them, uh, but it says the turkey turbine. Yeah, turbine, not turbine, not like the you know, <laughs> turbine the Indian for our Indian listeners. It's not turbine. Um, it, with uh, the Magnus heads. Yeah, and uh, so that that's going to be that's always fun building that. But John's like, we need a sixty pound or less bow. Yeah, because they will not fly. I can't get them to fly good. I mean, and most people can't. And you don't need 70 pounds to shoot a turkey. Mm. I mean, not their head off. I mean, that last one, though, it probably could have used 70 pounds. <laughs> I could have I used a really large. Well, uh, no, that one I shot, oh. and it, like, broke the blade <laughs> off. And it just, like, I mean, it killed him. It sliced his neck. But, man, he was so damn big. It was, like, a 25-pounder. Yeah. And so people have asked me, like, you know, because I've been shooting the longbow a lot. And I've been having, I'm, I'm. I'm much better with it. I'm super like, I'm like right teetering on the point where like I could kill a deer with it. Um, definitely inside of 10 yards, like, you know, and you know, with does and little deer and stuff like that, there, that wouldn't be, you know, I'm not, I would be hunting much differently. I think than I would be hunting for like bucks and all that stuff. But, um, I think it would be super fun. People are saying like, "Oh, you're gonna go with the trad bow again this year," and I'm like, "No fucking holds barred." Like, there is like, it doesn't matter if it's a Jake, a bearded hen. I'm using compound. I'm using the largest freaking uh, <laughs> expandable. Like, I don't care. Are you gonna I, use? Are you gonna use the hinge? 
I, well, I don't know. So we're, we're I, again, yeah, I, 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 did, I, did, I brought that up, but, I, but, but so, but I don't think so. I don't think I'm going to use a hinge because, um, I don't want like an excuse of like, oh, I was using that. And, and the one thing is like the click, I feel like is like an audible, like, and it, I know you, you. Yeah. The, no, I, I thought about that. The click definitely will get the bird's attention because yeah. if they're in that close and they hear that metal click. That's definitely going to put them into alert mode. So yeah. if, like, if I would have been using it, like for that when I killed that bird two years ago, because you drew, you were held back for. <laughs> I held back for a long time, and if you know, I might not have got to the click right away, but when I did, it would have got their attention. Like, so I was going to shoot the bird on the left at first, and if I would have drawn, you know, got into the click, it might have. What well, also it might have put them up into attention where I would have had a good headshot. Mm-hmm. But then at that point, now your time is limited. So, because then birds don't stick around long once they, they get alerted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I am going to, and they're like, are you going to head shoot them? Are you gonna, I'm like, I'm going to body shoot the, I mean, like, I'm going to try and take away all, everything <laughs> except for like bringing in the shotgun. Like, like I do have that. That huge four inch expandable, the hundred and sixty grain. I know I've got the smaller version of that up there. That's like I was looking at that, and it's like two and a half or something. But I, I was thinking about that. I'm like the arrow flight, but it's not really going to matter because it's only right there. This one's different. Like the one that John has has it's like a it's almost like a giant schwacker. Yeah, and it's got these two things coming out, and like, however, whatever arrow you had it on, or whatever you were shooting it out of the one day, I was like, man, that's like millimeters from your finger. Oh yeah, it'll take your finger <laughs> right <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, pointer wait, finger. Wait, 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 I just lost my thumb and my pointer. Shit. Either that, or opens up and hits the riser, and then the arrow explodes, and you, you know. The bow explodes at yeah. all the all the things. You definitely want a long arrow on that one. <laughs> Keep just, that fucker away from your hand. There's just dust coming out yeah. of the tent, like yeah. <laughs> blood, <laughs> dust. Or if you hit the, if you happen to hit <laughs> the tent, the tent. Oh my oh, god, that would be bad news. So. Yeah. So for me, with turkeys, is like I'm gonna just try to body shoot them. I'm gonna so try and shoot. Like I have one question. I mean, obviously, you know, we're shooting. We still are shooting our Wednesday night leagues, and. You've been shooting good, but then there's like, you know, all of a sudden you'll, so do I. I mean, I do the same thing, but you're like, man, I just like pulled that one. Now, my question is, do you think you're shooting your trad bow going back and forth? Is that, is that having anything? Because obviously, I mean, I don't shoot a trad bow. So on your shot release on your trad bow, you're pulling back till you get to a point and then you're just, you're just releasing, right? No. Well, not exactly. So. What I've done, and so the uh, they're actually right over there. Tom Taylor, he built the arrows for the giveaway bow. Um, I've been talking with him, with uh, Sean from Trophy Line, and um, uh, Jason from Timber Ninja, Jason Red, talking about like the the shot process and everything. And so I'm drawn back. And I'm putting the fletchings right on my nose. And then I was shooting completely instinctively. And then Tom was telling me about, like, trying to figure out, like, if you're not going to shoot instinctively all the time, or you're going to try and stretch it out, or you're going to try and shoot 20 yards, to try and find that point on 
distance. Right. So like right now I know when I draw back and it's a 50 pound bow at 28 inches. So it's, I don't know how it stacks, but it's more than that. Right. So I'm not holding it back for a very long time, but I'm coming to full draw. I'm bringing that arrow to my nose and then I'm putting the point on. And I know at 10 yards, it shoots about four inches high. And it, for whatever reason, I'm shooting glove and it's shooting like left. So I have to put my point on low right. And it, so to get that uh, relatively the same. Right. And I can tell like when I'm plucking the string and all that stuff and, and talking with Sean it's like, and, and Tom too, kind of like asking about shooting a tab and for a more consistent release. But, you know, before I even, I, I mean, before I ever killed a deer with a compound, before, uh, I don't know how many deer I shot at with a compound, but I was shooting a compound with that same glove. Right. And so to, so to go to a tab is like completely foreign. So for 20 years or 15 years or whatever, you know, ever since I was a kid, I've always shot a glove. So to try to go to a tab and learn that process in, in, in learning with everything, but I don't think so. I, one of the things I think like why I've been shooting good and why I've been shooting better is, has been messing with that hinge because like, I think, so I, the UltraView, we got back from ATA, the UltraView came out with the two. I ordered it and all the stuff. I was asking John, I ordered a new head for his, and I want John to do like a video or tutorial, like on the differences between them and the, the things that are similar between the two smooth. Because you say the two smooth and that UltraView 2, Hinge 2 is very similar. very similar. But he's like, no, you keep it, you shoot it. And I'm like, I was to, like terrified of the thing like like i'm like i'm not gonna shoot this and i think so i played with it on the trainer like quite a bit and i was afraid of shooting i was afraid of drawing it back and i still have yet to let down i was uh jake he got one too and and he's like i just learned these like letting downs <laughs> you know and, and john let down he shoots the the hinge the ultra view hinge one um in our league and he let down the other day and i was like what balls he has like i was like <laughs> oh my god like because there's, you know, 30 people there and like, I mean, you let down in the air, it goes off and it goes like ching, 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 everywhere. Like, so I'm like, it could, I didn't yeah, do that. No, you didn't do that. But I mean, that it would have been so, 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 so like for me, like playing with it on the trainer, like I see and, and you know, it, you know, we've heard John's story about talking with Dudley and redoing his hinge and all the things and, you know, what Dudley said was, you know, rush to the click and then make your shot. So when I'm on the trainer, like that's what I'm doing is like, I'm drawing back, I'm getting tension and I'm finding the click. And then I'm just holding on whatever I'm aiming at and rolling through and it goes off, you know? And, but I never shot, never shot it even until you got back. And then we changed the draw length and stuff on the bear. And that, that was the weirdest thing because the draw length changed and then the string angle changed and everything changed because it's got a different length head and maybe it's closer to your knuckles or whatever. Yeah. But it's off. It's so like with the two smooth, that was one of the things that Dudley did was he tried to make them all like have the head at the same location in your draw cycle or in your anchor point. And the one thing I like about the ultra view is it it's off centered more or it's more centered actually. And so it, it's 
it's I think it's more comfortable to hold for one, but it does change your anchor point a little slight, you know, slight bit. But I'm just used like I can switch back and still shoot, but I'm also shooting my nose button and I'm always, you know, centering my peep and everything. But you know, for you with a totally different bow and then your first time shooting it, yeah, it's and you're worried about punch yourself in the face. So there's a whole lot of factors going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first time, like I, I get that bow and John's like, well, just shoot it. And so I like, I draw back and I bring it up. And as soon as I'm bringing it to my face, it goes click. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Like I'm like, (laughs) and he's like, it's okay. You can shoot it. And so I'm like, okay. And he's like, it's set like super hot while you were talking. You've since said that you were talking about the click because I was like, cause it takes forever to shoot, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm shooting, I'm shooting, I'm, I'm rotating, 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 and it finally goes off. And you're right. At some points, you can just crank it and be like, fuck, just rip right, it. After watching, like, I was surprised. You you did it really well. Like, you didn't lose your composure when it, when it did that. I'm like, just, it's all right. Just keep, you know, just shoot. And it, you you followed through good. Everything was great. I mean, And so, for me, like, now, when you say, like, I've been shooting a lot better and whatever, is like, it's I always try and think about the Joel Turner stuff, but I don't, it's hard to like put it in all of that context, you know? Cause it's like, I'm not sitting there saying like, Oh, I'm standing on the porch and I'm at the door. I'm running through the house doing all the shit. No. Um, what it is, is I'm like, I'll draw back. And I don't know if you've noticed, like in, in the way that I've been shooting is like, I'm drawn back for quite some time <laughs> compared to what I used to. <laughs> um, so like I'll draw back, and I'll like find the target and now I'm like, okay, hold the pin there or like, okay, is it there? Like, where is it? And then I'll complete the shot process. And I think like, that's what the hinge has like taught me. So like the silverback, like that whole back tension thing, it doesn't really accomplish like what I wanted it to accomplish because it did not remove like the, the anxiety part of it yeah like that that portion of it where the hinge is like you have to fucking rotate it so right. it's like i have to keep going and i have to hold it there like it's not like well if i just yank it or if i right. squeeze my shoulders or this like it, i don't know I, so, I think i think if for people starting out like if you were to start out with a hinge and that's like almost the exact opposite of what uh um of what Brandon said, he said, you know, I, if I would have started with a back tension to begin with, it would have made everything to, better to shoot with. And I'm like, for for me, the hinge is like, like that would have been way better for me. So like, obviously, you know, I mean, people have listened to the podcast knows they know my like journey through this whole hinge back tension thumb. You know, I bought the the thumb release first and it was the best thing ever until I got target panic and it was like, holy shit, I can't even hit the target. I can't hold. And so then I got the silverback and that thing. I mean, I was flinging arrows, you know, left, right, missing the whole bag, whatever. But once I committed to just using that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave the thumb at home. Like I'm not even bringing it with. So I won't have temptation to go back to it because i know i can make that go off whether it's right or wrong like if i'm punching it or or not so i committed to that and i shot a whole league and i ended up i think i ended up winning that year 
And like I said, I I was more consistent. I didn't shoot like as many bullseyes as I would like, but I didn't shoot any fours. Like I was either 15 or 10, 15 or 10, 15 or 10. And I shot a lot more tens than I'd like, but I didn't shoot any fours. When I was shooting the year before that, when I was shooting my thumb release, shit, I was like four, two, like missed the target. Like I can't hold, I can't hold, you know, well, but once I committed to it, then the whole process changed and it made all my other releases better. Because I know that I'm not, like, aiming. I look at what I want to shoot, and then I just think about the spot. Like, that's, like, even when we when we walk down and pull arrows. Okay, I look at that spot. Like, you'll if you pay attention, I'll, I'll be standing yeah, John, back. I, I was noticing this. Like, John, like, everybody else is, like, pulling arrows and, like, walking. And John's standing there at, like, two or three yards. Like, just, fo- and I noticed that, like, last week or two weeks ago. Like, whenever. And you were just, like... Like zoned in on like one, and I was like, I was like, okay, I see what he's doing now. Because the hardest part is like trying to like know where the bullseye is. You can you can shoot where you thought it was. So what I'm doing at that know? point is, yeah, we know where the bullseye is, and I can't see that from the thirty yard mark. But what I'm doing is trying to get that mental picture in my head, like get it into my subconscious. Like, okay, this is where I'm putting the arrow. I can't see it, but this is where I'm putting the arrow. So then I get back and I'm. Thinking, okay, I'm putting it in my spot. Put it in my spot. Like when when we were warming up, I didn't. We weren't. I wasn't shooting. I was shooting at the X's, and so that's what I just kept putting in my head. I'm like, I'm putting it in the X. I can't see the X, but I'm putting it in the X. I'm putting it in the X, and I'm just letting my pin float, and then I'm just, you know, the Joel Turner thing. I'm to the click, and I'm just rotating. I'm putting it in the X. Putting it in the X. Putting it in the X. Rotating and then, and. So that's what I've been working on, just like my mental, like, yeah, I get down there and no, even though I can't see those spots for the most part, especially with my eyes lately, I'm like, that's one of the biggest things. I mean, ever since I started wearing glasses this year, it's like, holy shit. So I'm ha- like, for me uh, right now, like you were asking about like when I make a bad shot or like how I'm making bad shots is like, I'm totally like dropping the bow peaking. Like, cause and- if you look, my left and right is, mm-hmm. is right in line. And I'm just six inches low and I'm like, I'm like, is it there? Is it there? Is it there? And then when I sh- release, I'm dropping my bow arm. Did it go? You know? Yeah. And I did the same. I like those. That's like consistently been my bad shot. Like, especially the week after I got back that shit, I hadn't shot for what, three weeks. You know, I shot on a Wednesday and I was gone for two Wednesdays and it was the next Wednesday after we got back that I got to shoot. And it was like, I think the first half went well and then the second half i just like i was like man i'm shooting good and now not to mention like i was high shooter when we left and i get back and i'm like five points down and i'm like oh shit i gotta make up those five points and end up going down six more points because i shot like shit in the second half there's some guys that that shoot in our league that from last year they were pretty good and this year they're freaking right like lights out you know shooting extremely well um and so John, and then there's some guys that were always typically like your competition that are just shooting poorly this year. Like Jeff is not shooting well yeah, at yeah. all. Like, I, and I don't know if it's because his team is like all over the board or what, but, um, but, but yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just a whole, I mean, it's a journey. Like, and I, and I do the same thing though. Like when you were talking about peaking, 
that's exactly like that first week I got back. I had a great first half. And then the second half I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm, I'm know the spot. And then all of a sudden I'm like on it. And when I, I know when I'm, I pull through and I'm like peeking and, and my arrows dropping, like I'm pulling the bow down to see where it's going. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit. That's like, yeah, I did. So last week I did have like one thing go wrong with my bow. I don't think that that had anything to do with it, but, I, but then it put the mental, like, puts a mental thing in my head and I'm like, I'm like going through my bow and like, you know, you're looking at my bow and like whatever. And like something went wrong. There was like a really loud noise and I was shooting next to the guy who was shooting a gearhead with no well, string suppression at all. That sounds like, I don't know what he's shooting for arrows, but it sounds like a 22 when it goes off. Yeah, that thing is loud. And so we shot at the exact same time. And it was like, I was like, I felt a vibration in my bow. And then everybody's like, was that your bow? I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, Argh. So, and I put it, I, and then I just set up that new site and right. then all that stuff. So, I mean, I knew last week was going to be a mess because like I set up my site. 20, uh, 60, 80. I can get all the way down to 80 with my top pin. And so I know that I only have one more week of league. I'm not shooting for high shooter or anything like that. So I'm just trying to make good shots, like wherever the arrows go. But if I'm going to use that site and continue to use that site, I need to sight in my bottom pin, figure out what that distance is, and then set my tape for that so that I can shoot that. Because my top pin at 80, I've probably got like almost a whole inch inside the housing. Right. So. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to, if you're shooting for distance, you want to use your bottom pin as your rover and then set your top pins. So say your bottom pin is 80 or whatever, the, the max you can get out of it. Then when you wheel it up and your top pin is at the 20 mark and you zero it at 20, then whatever your bottom pin, you go and shoot that back. And say it's 60. Well, now you've set your, your indicator at 60. So now as you, as you roll it down, that pin's going to, your bottom pin, that's your rover, say it's a 66 yard shot. Well, then you just roll it down to 66 and use your bottom pin. And that's how you're going to get the distance for doing tack. And so at the same, on the same thing, if I'm getting this right, cause I was like, I was like, oh man, that's going to screw up my 20, 30, 40, blah, blah, blah. But I can just roll it up. To 24 and shoot the bottom pin, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's what I ended up doing for attack. Yeah. So, that's what I should... I should just do that for this week. Like, because I, I know the tape that I need. I just don't know what my distance is. So, if between now and then I can go and shoot, right. figure out that it's 50 or whatever. I think that's what I want to set it at is 50. I think as long as you can... It can roll all the way up to the 20 mark, then you're fine. Yeah. If I can't reach 20. If you can't reach 20, then you're going to end up shorting yourself. So, then you just roll it back down. But it will change. So, you can't use that indicator for your upper pins because it's it's not a – like, as you look at your tape, your top pins are closer, closer, closer. And then as you get farther down, it's it's not a linear. Mm -hmm. So, if you dial it up, say five yards and think, okay, well, or dial it down five yards. Well, that top pin is going to be more than five yards now because yeah, at closer range, you're not, you're not having as much drop. Theoretically though, for say like a tack type situation, if I could roll that up as high as I could get it and it got me to 32, 
I could take my middle pin at that point, sight it in all the way to the top, make that a 20-yard pin. Right. But there's no, but there's there, no 30-yard shots. Yeah, well, that's what tag, I was thinking. So. I was like, I don't even think that there's anything. There, There is on the, like, loophole course or, like, the, the local course, but that there's 10,000 trees in the way and brush piles. Well, at that point, you just roll it back down to 16, use your top pin as your 20, or, mm-hmm. you know, you can just make a mental note. Like, if you have to, you can put two tapes on, or, you know, yeah. or, or two. I don't know how on that site. But on some, like on mine, there's a spot where you can have two. Well, here's one right here. Doesn't mean that's just what you're. Yeah. So if you have, let me put my glasses on since I'm old and blind now. Let me just pull it out of here. There's a knife. It's a. Sorry about all the noise. Yeah. So John, there's a three pin dovetail red line sight right here so on this one you don't if you had another pointer Mm -hmm. you could just put the pointer this one up at 20 and then you have this one at your bottom rover so now you got two pin two markers so you could have this one as your rover for low and this one for your rover as as high as long as you know which one's which which. maybe if you get another one of those pointers now like since you have two of them, you can just borrow one <laughs> yeah. and put it on there and have one at your 20 mark and one at your. Yeah. So, um, yeah, since you pulled this out, take a look at it. John hasn't, John's been gone. So he hasn't messed with uh, any of this stuff. Now, this is the one that we were trying to figure out what why it was so. Uh, yeah. So th- there, there, it has second and third axis adjustments but i i couldn't figure it out that's that's not on my uh yeah, i get this freaking take it out of there but yeah so um i've been playing with their stuff i got a, a one of their five arrow quivers that's pretty similar to <laughs> like a uh um a, a tight spot it's ambidextrous um it's pretty slick but anyways, I wasn't smart enough to know what uh, John, can you explain to us to as the listener or me as the host, um, third axis, second axis, third axis. So they're just screws. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're just screws. Just <laughs> so your second axis, so Second axis is, well, it's going to be hard to explain on here, but it's how here. your level. There you go. So when you put you mount your bow, mount this on your bow, and your bow is level, you look at your bubble, and if, if the sight is tweaked one way or the other, left or right, that's going to determine how your bubble is. So, and as you drop the bow down... It's going to change, and especially as you rotate it up and down. If it's not plumb the bow, now you're actually moving your your pins, say right as you go up, or left as you go down. And then as you're if you're trying to level your bubble and it's not level to your bow, then you you you, you tweak your bow and you're getting your bubble level. Now those pins just moved over off of level, basically. So your second and third is how 
is is the way to get that bubble level to your bow. So when we're talking like in normal everyday speak, if we could rationalize that or whatever, like so that's X and Y axis, Z axis, which which is which. So honestly, I off the top of my head, I don't know which two, three, whatever. I just know which ones I do. Like I put it on the bow, and they even make brackets. Like a third axis, second axis, you know, bracket. You mount it on. It's got a level. What I do is put my, I put, normally I take my my four foot level in my garage and I put it in my vise and I level it perfect. And then I'll take, say like this one, I'll take the bracket and then I'll clamp it to my level so I know that, and then I'll match it up. So each level is perfect. So... Then, so that sets your second. So now on your third is as you go up and down at full draw. Because So that's another thing too is like your bow flexes. So as you draw back, there might be some torque in the riser, your limbs, whatever. It might make your bow a little unlevel. And so what I do is I take a string and I have it hung from my rafters or I have it hung from the top of my shelf. And it goes all the way down. And you can't really do it. Well, you can do it with a single pin as long as it's up pin. Because then you can put that pin perfectly plumb on that string. Draw back. You have it. As you go up, you keep that pin perfectly in line with that string. And if you go up and your bubble tips one way or the other, well, then as you go down, it's going to do it the other way. So then that's your third axis. That's where you start rotating your, your scope to get that pump. And where does that, like, from a so a hunter's perspective, like where... For the most it? part, it's not going to matter to a hunter. I mean, and I've told, like, the guys that I've worked with, you know, like, yeah, that's it's cool to do it. I think I've heard someone say, never had a problem with third axis till they come out with a third axis, you know, like... Mm-hmm. But, so... Like when you're shooting at tack and we're shooting a hundred yards and we're on the side of the hill, that's when it's going to come in. Like I'm shooting a hundred yards downhill. And I'm standing on the side of the hill. Now that's going to become a factor because for one, I want my bubble level. And I've said this before to everyone when we're out there shooting, like when you're standing here on the side of the hill, pay attention to what your bubble looks like. Cause you think you're plumb and then also you look at it and you're like, holy shit, I'm like a quarter bubble or half bubble off. And so, what does that, what does that do downrange? Like, if you're a half a bubble off at 50, 60, 70 yards. So, what it's doing is, you think of your pins, right? Your pins are in line with you. If they're off bubble, now that pin just moved. Say your bubble, your bubble's floating to the right. Well, now your pins have actually went to the left. Like, so if you bring it back and go past, now they're to the right. So, think of that. It's just like putting some twists, you know, putting some clicks into your, your windage. And that's what actually like target shooters will do in the wind. It's like, okay, we got a strong bubble. We got a strong right wind. Well, I'm going to put a quarter bubble in. Well, now that just, you can still put your pin right on the target, but technically you're really aiming off into that wind. And then your arrow is going to hit that wind. It's going to pull back in and hit the spot. But if there's no wind and you're shooting downhill and you're, and your sight is not 
leveled at all. Well, shit, who knows? You're like, well, shit, I just a shot two and a half foot left, right? Whatever. And you're just like, ah, I just pulled a bad shot. Well, no, you 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 hit where you're aiming. It's just that your shit's not set right. So, but when you're sitting in a tree stand and you're shooting 20 yards, it's really a non-factor. You're not going to miss by that, you know, that much. But when you're shooting 100 yards downhill steep angle well and then it can really affect you so we just did a podcast uh frank and i with the uh guy from adjustable red dots and a really interesting concept it's not a new concept shooting um red dots out of a bow it turned out to be like i guess more of the oneida guys did it um this guy's a uh been shooting Oneidas for years and years and years and uh but they couldn't figure out how to make it adjustable um because it had to go like on an arc so they had to build this bracket with these crazy tolerances to make it be able to arc and keep it in there right. but, but one of the questions that he had asked is like how big of a deal is third axis because everybody wants to know like can you change the third axis on this and it's like i was like i don't i can't really answer that but i'm like if you're selling these to hunters for like hunting distances i said maybe if you're shooting antelope at 100 yards then you're probably you know right it it might might be a factor and so i mean was that the right answer exactly yeah because like i said for the most part it's not going to come into effect you're not going to notice a difference when it comes to a whitetail scenario when you're shooting even 30 yards out of a tree stand. I mean, I guess if it was like completely way screwed up, but then you would notice, I mean, just looking at a site, but the, so forever they didn't come with a third. Like a, they still, there's still a ton of sites out there that don't have second or third axis adjustments. So it's just a matter of being plumb and square to your bow. You sight it in, you shoot it. So, in reality, it's not necessarily like a gimmick or anything like that. It's a real issue, but it becomes, it, just like anything else, the farther away that you're shooting, yes. it becomes more of an issue. And almost uh, the more of an angle you're shooting at, is where it becomes a real issue. Exactly. Like you're shooting along downhill or uphill and your bubbles like, and then you're leveling your bubble. If you're going through the whole process and you're leveling that bubble, but it's, it was off. Well then, yeah, now it's just like doing the, the, the windage for the high, you know, the crosswind, your bubbles, you're aiming, you're on the spot, but really it's like, it might be off four inches to the right, but at a close target, it's not going to be that far off, and then you're not even going to notice it. But the longer the distance, just like shooting, it's like if we were aiming at the moon right now, you know. Well, if I was aiming at the house across the street with a rocket, and I was, say, off three degrees, I'm still going to hit that house. But I'm off three degrees aiming at the moon. Guess what? I just, you know, missed it by a 100,000 miles, you know I mean? So, the longer the distance, the angle is going to... So, uh, like... And I guess it's because we're dealing with the gravity 
essentially. Because, like, I, I guess I always, I always thought, like, what, like my bow, if my, if I, if I had like a fully captured sight, like if I had like a sealed whisker biscuit, and I could shoot my bow, like say 180 degrees this way, and I'd still put the pins on your style <laughs> like i mean you know but that, that that wouldn't work because now your arrow it's completely wrong so if you're trying to shoot you know like like a crossbow crossbow that's a whole different you know is it because of gravity because of well yeah because your arrow is going to fall down you know you're, you've got to arc in your arrow like that's like when we shoot and the guys put the the we, we talked about this too like when the guys put the benches at three feet well you got to use like your 60 yard pin for one your angle from your arrow and your eye, you're making a triangle for one. And the arrow hasn't had enough time to come up into that arc to get it. So, we have to use 60 yards. People like, a bunch of people miss it that first shot. Like, holy shit, what? I missed the whole thing. It was like, I'm four inches low. Well, the bow hasn't, it, you're too far or too close for that to angle to be made up. But also, it's not just the gravity. It's, it's your bow as you move down and if it's not level that 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 if your scope is not level to the bow it changes your pin so it changes your point of aim exactly so as you go down and you if you weren't looking at the bubble then it wouldn't matter but as you look at the bubble right and you're like shoot I'm a quarter bubble off I gotta center it well now you just corrected it and then you're off. Well, it's funny because it's it's interesting because I was thinking like with the easy V sight, right? Like it doesn't really matter because you're just putting it on there. But in reality, you're you're doing the same thing because you're you're technically just moving your point of aim over, even though you don't realize it because it's it's just like torquing your wrist or just like doing anything else. Because Frank's left-handed, he had to swap that over. Well, his bubble. His level is up top on the wrong side. So I messaged Aaron and he is the owner of creator of the easy V and he's like, it's just high temp silicone in there. He's like, just pop it out and glue it in the bottom. And Frank's like, well, I don't even need it. I'll just take it out of there. And I'm like, he's like, I never look at the bubble anyways. And I'm like, and for him, it, I mean, it, that's the thing too. Like in the hunting, I mean, especially with that site, you're not really shooting out past 60 yards. That's a setup. For whitetail, you're going to be shooting 20, 30 yards. And so, unless you're really crazy, like hanging off a tree, all, you know, and that's not going to matter at that point anyway. You're taking that shot. But we're talking about Frank here. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to be doing any of that crazy shit anyway. But, but no, so yeah, he just needs, you're starting to split hairs. You know, like you're getting, you need to, you need to just focus on your shot and, in the animal not worry about all that i mean when you're in that close well i think like when we when we talk about this so like that that bear bow that we're setting up and you know you're going to shoot turkeys with it and you know I, I may shoot a turkey with it i might whatever um i'll probably use it deer hunting just just because uh, it's fun to try out new stuff but in reality if i wanted to set that bow up for tack or you know, I wouldn't have an easy V on there. I would, you know, I would be changing things up. I would, I maybe have wanted to have a 
maybe 70 pound bow for sure so i could have some a little bit longer range yeah. and i wouldn't i would have to build specific arrows for it and i would change things but if i'm just going to shoot 20 yards and in and i think for the listener at the end of the day it's like okay so let's say that you're you're you okay and you're gonna only hunt michigan or you know you're gonna hunt like out to 35 yards is like where your terrain dictates that you can you can kill an animal you want to shoot a turkey with it and then you're gonna shoot like vegas or you know a, a five spot deal like how important to you is third a- access you know all the so like if you're shooting indoors it, that i mean it's not you're not you're shooting at one plane you're not going up you're not going down so if you're if your lo- bubble is level at you know 20 yards shooting at it flat as long as you know you're not tweaking you're gonna be fine now shooting 30 yards and in on whitetail like i'd just use the easy v like not even worry about my axis like put it on there check it you know on my bow and the vice whatever i can throw a level a level on the string and then check the level on the bubble on site and i'm good like you're not you're not so the other thing too is like if this so if this is level on the bow, but this right here, the slider. You're talking about on like a dovetail mount. So yes, yeah, like so a dovetail. Like, oh, on any mount of the, like once you're, say you've put your bow in the vise and you have it perfectly plumb. You mount this on and this part's perfectly plumb. But right here, this slider on some, like on my Excels, you can adjust it at, at the slider part. And that, say I didn't do it. Well, as you roll it up, and this isn't plumb with, with the bracket, now it might be going up at an angle. So now you're off on the left. So, so as you go so, down. So as you get farther away, you're, you're shooting way left. Exactly. As you're shooting at 20 yards, you're like, man, this thing is dead on. <laughs> exactly. So that's where, like, when you start getting into more complicated, complicated sites, then you're getting into more, more setup. So, like, if you just go and put a bracket on, like, the easy V. There's not, you know, I was like, there's nothing to change on there. I don't even think you could, (laughs) I don't even think you could change it left or right or whatever. So no, there's, it's just a straight shot. You know, all you're going to do, I mean, this is plumb to the bow. And so this is, you know, if this is 90 degrees right here, then it's 90 degrees to the bow. The only thing you can do is rotate this up and down so that your sight window, as you're looking through, you're not seeing, you're seeing fully through the cylinder. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's – so all that level is telling you is that your bow at that point, because you're not moving up and down, you're not worrying about any of that. But you start adding all this shit on, and now, yeah, you better better adjust it But if you're shooting long distance. So in some cases, it could be like a hindrance for you. For sure. For, like, the average guy. Like, so we go back to the guy that doesn't mess with the bow press. He doesn't have a bow vice. He doesn't do any of this stuff. Yeah, you it's know, like, just, oh, I got all this stuff. But then if you don't know how to, to set it up, 
then you're better off just with the most basic stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. and I, I, there's a, I mean, everyone gets caught up in it. You know, you got YouTube, you got podcasts, and like, oh, you got to have this, you got to have this site. Well, if you don't, if you don't know what you're doing, or if you're only shooting 30 yards, you don't need that shit anyway. Like, or people get caught up, so caught up into it, they start messing with all that stuff and they don't focus on like their shooting technique. Like, just get out and shoot your bow. Go out and do some blank bailing. Like, if you're having a problem with like the, the target panic and stuff, that's one of the best things is, like what you were doing with the shot trainer, right? You can also do that. You go to your club or go to your backyard, take your sight right off the bow, just draw back and just get real close. You don't fling it over it or anything and just pull through and shoot, pull through, shoot. Just feel the bow in your hands. Close your eyes and do it. See, I've, uh, I've, I've yet to really go ahead and do that, but I feel, but I've shot. So even when I was testing out those red dots, like my first couple of shots, and I think I talk about it on that podcast, and like shooting at ATA, um, you know, anytime that I shoot a new bow, one that doesn't have a sight on it or anything, I do not get that experience out of it. I feel like since there's no nothing to focus on or whatever, like I'm trying to feel like is there vibration in the bow? Like what are the what is the cam cycle? But like when the when the shot goes off or like you know going through my process, like I've done that a little bit, but I I do not find the value. I find much more value in like the shot trainer, like because I draw that back with the release on it, and then on top of the the trainer. Like there's a knot and I'll put that on the outlet up there and I'll just try and hold it right there and, and pull through. But I know that there's no, like, like uh, for Joel Turner, like there are no repercussions. Like there is an explosion because the release goes off and the string falls away, but it isn't, uh, there's no, there's no consequence. Like there is no bad shot. There is no, cause that's one of the things, like even when I shoot at the club, like on our league, like I, I I probably said it on here, but I know I say it like twice a night there is like, I'll shoot a 15 and be like, that was a terrible shot. Like I just punch a trigger, but I'll make a great shot and it'll be three inches to the right. And I'm, or I'll be like, that's where the bow was at when it went off. I went through my process so, and the consequence is like where, and that's what, one of the things I was going to ask you because you, you had said, and what you, you you can use this to go into that is you were saying if you're just shooting indoors and you're only shooting 20 yards like it's so simple like why is it so fucking hard then to shoot <laughs> because five x's <laughs> right well because it's a mental game you're you're getting in your own head and, and the thing like I've gone and went to the club pulled my you know that's what's nice about the dovetail site it does change the feel of the bow a little bit but I'll walk up and I've done it many times. No one's at the club. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go blank bail and just sit there at the five yard mark and just literally close my eyes, draw back. And I'm just, I'm just trying to feel everything. Like I'm not trying to feel the bow, like how it's, it's shooting. It's how my body is shooting and how like I'm focusing on like my, my draw cycle, you know, and that's the thing. You can use the shot trainer a ton. 
you're not drawing an actual bowl. So, like, that's why you were still kind of, like, iffy, like, I'm going to draw this bowl back <laughs> so, and then so click. In the other room is Stella's, like, orange bow. It's, like, five pounds or whatever. Like, I was shooting that in here. <laughs> like, I was drawing it back with that, like, going, pew. <laughs> right. So, but, yeah, once you go and do it, like, once you go and do the blank bail, you'll definitely, if you sit there and actually, like, concentrate on it and, and give it 100%, it definitely will help you feel like your whole body and the whole shot process and what you're doing and, and let you just, I mean, like I said, close your eyes, just focus on what you, what you're feeling and where your arm is going and, you know, everything, the follow through. So that way you're, you've got your mind on that and not, I'm on the spot, like the, the pins floating, you know, you're not, so when you're doing that, you're not thinking about all the rest of the stuff. There's so much other shit going on. And I think that that's why the hinge is like better. Like I said, I feel like better about the hinge. Like I posted up that group that I shot with the, with that new site, that red line site I made, even when I made one bad shot, like, you know, I, I came to the click and I was coming back through and then I rushed it. Mm-hmm. It still was right there where it needed to be. And I think that's what you're kind of talking about, like with silverback is like, it wasn't, it wasn't nine miles to the right or left because I had to, I had to be in that form for the bow to go off. Right. Like I I, I couldn't. And that's when I like, that was one of the things that helped me with the silverbacks. That's when I did it the most was the blank bail was because just getting there and just trusting that it was going to break, you know, and feeling the the squeeze in my back and, and getting that pull. Like, okay, I'm not worrying about, it's got to go now. It's just, I'm closing my eyes and just like, okay, this is what it's supposed to feel like. And it goes off. What? And it gives you that confidence. Like if I'm, if I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about all the other shit going on and I'm trying to pull back through next thing you know, my front shoulder is collapsing. And then what actually ultimately fires the bow is that this, you're pulling back, but your, your, your front's co- collapsing and you end up going into the valley and then that's where it gets the enough uh, gets enough torsion or tension to make the, the shot break so then you're like yeah it's a complete mess then now you're like way low or off into the woods you know or <laughs> over the hill you know but, but what's funny is like you had asked about like shooting the traditional bow and like when i'm shooting well and like when i'm like really like confident like when i draw back and I make a good shot, like, I can feel it, like, right in the balls of my shoulders. Like, I know, like, exactly. The feel. What it feels like. To make the good shot. Yeah. And like, what it's supposed to feel it. Yeah. And that's what that's what the blank bale is going to do for you, is you're going to get up there, you're not focusing. And it, even if you don't have a dovetail sight, you can't take it off, just get up and be close enough to where you're comfortable closing your eyes and just focus on the feel of everything. How the bow is feeling your front hand, if you're, you know, you know, white knuckling it, if your shoulder's coming up on you. When you close your eyes, you can just, you know, you can feel all that. So, I mean, it's just, I don't know, I'm probably going to do it this week just so I make sure that I have a, a good last night. Yeah, so are you, where so, are you at in our league? So, I ended up, I went back up 10 points on him. I gained uh, 21 points on him this week. I shot pretty good. I ended up shooting a 395. Should have 400 because for some reason I missed on the 10. 
the 10 yard. But I was worried. I was like, Ernie had kind of hogged the center and I was like, all right, I'm going to put it on the side of it. And then I don't know what the hell happened. I think it actually hit his arrow. So one of the things is John usually shoots first, but John has been more fishing, less archery. He's been neglecting his equipment. No, I haven't been neglecting my equipment. My shooting partners like to shoot my freaking arrows in my veins. Not me. No, Ernie. <laughs> but you but so you don't have any arrows. <laughs> so I have one arrow left that has all the veins. Like the rest of them have holes in them or my other arrows have been telescope because Ernie's a good shot. So but if when I'm so normally what we do is one person shoots first in the first half and the other person shoots first in the second half. And so say I'm shooting first the first half, it's pretty much a weekly thing where I'm getting an arrow either racked or veins ripped off or, you know, something because if I'm in the bullseye, then Ernie's like, I'm just aiming for Johnny's arrow. Like where what I do is especially, you know, like the when we're shooting at the small animals at the seven, ten and fifteen. If Ernie's shooting first and he's put it right in the center, I'm like, okay, what do I say? I'm like, I'm going to shoot his right vein mm-hmm. or I'm going to shoot his left vein or his top vein. And that's what I'm like. I'm aiming right off that. I'm even though it's, it might, I have the, you know, ability or I have the chance of shooting outside. If I'm not right on my mark, I'm still not slapping his arrow or wrecking an arrow. Or if I do just aim right for his arrow, most likely I'm going to hit it. And then I'm going to glance out because that's what, I mean, that happens a lot. Unless you telescope it, if you hit it on your, and the arrows are, you know, the bullseyes are so small. And so we're shooting against them next week as well. Yes. So. Which is awesome. That's what, that way we'll be right next to each other. So either, and I kind of like that. I like that competition, that pressure. And I don't know if he, he does. So like, I'm probably going to be talking some shit to him. <laughs> Uh, well, unless you miss on the first one. No, that's not. So, I, I just, for me, it's just, I would hate to try to have to be perfect every time. Like, it's just, that's so tough. I mean, I don't know. That's, I, that's what makes, that's what makes it. I mean, we definitely aren't even in the running for the team shoot. Like, <laughs> like we saw. Oh, yeah. Th- those guys are running away with it. So I don't know if they are like that good or they sandbagged at the beginning or what. No, it's a that's the thing though. It's a it's a running average. So it's not like you know, like the first week when you shoot, that was just to open. You know, that's your average. You shoot for your average, but then after three weeks, that's gone anyway. So I'm like, I'm not gonna sandbag just for that. But the first week didn't even count for our total score either. Hmm. So like, I could have just sandbagged and then. Like, oh, well, we took all the points the first week, but. But we just, didn't. But we didn't. No. <laughs> I didn't sandbag either. I just shot. I ended up, I, th- I shot like a 385 or a 384. Like. Well, I think they started, they gave Frank, Frank didn't shoot the first week. They gave him a 354 average. He's never shot that in his lifetime. Right. Let alone like, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> but I think what it was, is it so Ernie and I shot and it ended up giving us a team average. Yeah. But. Because you were, you were gone. Yeah, I was gone too. I don't know what the deal was, but oh, that was the day that my fucking world blew up when I fucking slid down the hill oh, and fucking smashed right. the vehicle, and then we left for ATA. Yeah, they we're heading to ATA <laughs> that night. So yeah, you you uh, had a lot on my plate. That shit too. Um, but uh, so for your like, so 
you changed up your bow yes. last week. Like, so what's what's your current bow setup? Because I don't think we've talked about that like in a while. So I'm still I'm shooting the Bowtech. Um, what it what is it? The Revolt X. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Revolt X. And seventy pounds. I I'm shooting my Carbon Express arrows just for indoors because I was I started the first week I shot my Easton axes, but those go all the way through the target into the back wall. They're 175 grain head. 175 grain head, you know, a 300 shaft with 50 grains of brass. So, you know, they're just blowing through the target and literally into the garage wall behind it. Into the drywall. Yeah. So, I just, I'm shooting the, my old blue, the Carbon Carbon Express blue razors or whatever they were called. I'm not sure. And then, my slider sight, shooting the the uh, original um, UltraView hinge. But you put the UltraView scope on. This, yes, right? I did. Ended up putting the UltraView scope on. So what? Do, how Which, do you how do you like that? Like, I I love the the scope because the light. So that was the thing. Like I just put it on my Excel. Um, because it won't go on the HHA. It won't go on the HHA, no. So, yeah, I think the first week I, I shot it, I had the HHA. So, then I had to swap all that stuff out. But, yeah, the the UltraView scope, the the light in it is awesome because it's lasted all all winter. And you just turn on it automatically goes off. And then, um, But, like, last year I had this little thing I had to screw in. And, and at first I'd use the, the Excel light. And, like, if you forget to turn it off, literally the batteries die in one night. I'm like, well, shit, now I got to go buy, you know, these stupid batteries. And they're more than the light costs. Like, you basically just go buy a whole other light with batteries. In it. So, the UltraView scope perfect for that. <clears throat> but then I did notice, like, I haven't been shooting. I haven't been so busy. Normally, like, during leagues, I usually shoot at least a couple times a week. But this year, I haven't been, I mean, literally, like, picked the bow up and on my way to the club for league night. And I noticed I've been, I messed around a little bit with my stabilizer setup, but the one thing I noticed is that my holds, I'm, I'm a little wobbly. So what I did last week was I shortened my draw length up. Kind of. I didn't, I, so on like on the Bowtech, you got your mods that you can change. And then when you change your mods, say, so like my bow is set for 31 inch draw length. So what I did is I didn't change my mods. I just changed my pegs. So I went to 30 and a half with my pegs. What that did was it gave me more holding weight. So the problem with that is, is now there's like no valley. So if you're a little iffy with your hinge, you might send one off into the, you know, into the ceiling or something. But what that did for me though is, so I'm, Drawback, I don't have as much valley, so there's no forgiveness there. Like, if I let up a little bit, it's going to, you know, I'm going to pull, pull it out of my hand. But that gives me a lot more holding weight. And so then, and if it's a little bit shorter like that, now I got, I can hold the bow, like, use more muscle to hold the bow steady. Like, when there's nothing there, it's just kind of like, I guess I don't know how to explain it. I mean... If you're hard, yeah, hardly what, holding anything, you, you can move around a little more. Well, and that's why you had said before, like, the 
target archers will have like a 50% let off bow or like 75%. Yeah. 70. So, it's, so it's, they want, they want more holding weight. Not only that. So when you put stabilizers on your bow and you add weight, so now then, and you don't have a whole lot of holding weight, the bow is kind of like, you, you got to like counterbalance that. So the more tension that you're holding, that's going to make you more steady. It's going to kind of like, it's going to counterbalance all the weight that you have on the bow and then help stabilize it. So, I mean, there's some guys that shoot with like three pounds up on the front, and, you know, like, oh yeah, I got 28 ounces on the back. Like, holy shit, let's, you got a 12 pound bow, you know, <laughs> but they're holding 20 pounds in the back. So, so, so do you think you're going to change anything up like for this week for, for hunting for, you know, I mean, you're going to shoot turkeys with that bow, but like going forward, like, do you see yourself like, okay. Oh, I would, I really wanted to get a V3 X, the new, especially since it's a 33, but it's just not in my budget this year. It is. What, what does one cost? Uh, like $1,300. So. Okay. But. Yeah, if, if I, I mean, like all the rest of my stuff, I like, I really like shooting Ultra View. I really like, you know, the one that you got too, but I'm like so used to mine now. I'm, uh, it is going to be loud to hunt with. Like, so if I make it all the way to hunting season, I'll probably end up and want to hunt with it. Then I will probably have to switch over to the two. But, uh, it's all the other thing too is like it's hard to film self film with the hinge. Did you swap out the head on that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I went. I ended up. You picked up the fourteen, I think. Mm-hmm. Much better. Like that made the click. So it wasn't like getting back to the click, and then you can adjust it a little bit. But I think I have it set like pretty much right where I want it now. So for somebody, we we can wrap this up whenever, but for. For someone who's like considering a hinge, like the you said, the UltraView hinge too is a lot like the too smooth. Like, how do you like? Where would you point somebody? Well, I would definitely. I mean, the UltraView two is like it's like everything that you want because it's super adjustable. Like, if you want to shoot two fingers, it's just a matter of the bracket. You want to shoot three, four, whatever. You want to use it for hunting and get the hunting bracket. There's so many, it's so modular that you can change it. And then, and now with that, the way the setup is, it's just a matter of two. So that one has two moons. So the moons are what? Adjust your click and the break point. And that's the same as like the Carter or Dudley's too smooth. The problem I had with Dudley's was the, it's exactly like the same style. Like it's got two little moon, uh, two two moons, two little set screws that you adjust. But I dropped it. I don't know if I didn't have the the side set screw tight enough or what. But when I dropped it, it stripped out one of those set screws inside there that adjusts the moon. So on, like when I pulled the moon out, there's little machine grooves in it. And when you put that back in, those little grooves lay into the threads of the little tiny set screw that's inside there. So as you spin it, it adjusts that moon in and out. And so we haven't dropped this one <laughs> or <laughs> no. or taken it apart far enough to notice if it's... Right, if it's it, susceptible it, to that. <laughs> yeah. But 
So, yeah, like when I dropped it. So, at first I shot that hinge without a click. And then I dropped it. And all of a sudden, like the next shot, there's a click. I'm like, holy, what the hell happened, you know? And then it was like off and on. So, I'm like, what the hell's going on? And, and that's one of the things I wanted to say is that, you know, I used to think that that click, I'm like, how can you do that? But that's like, that's almost like a safety mechanism. It's a, it's a, it's like a comforting thing. Cause you're like, you're like, okay, we're, we're, we're not ready. We're not ready. Once it clicks, you're like, okay, now we can start right figuring it out. And like the one, the way that the one that I have is set up, it's, it's a mile back there. Right. To, so it's not just going to go. Good to set, not, that's good for initial. And then once you really get used to set, and then that's the same th- same way with when I started with this one was, yeah, like, because you don't want it going off on accident. So if you set it like real cool, not so hot, then you can go up there, you can get to the click, and then you know that, okay, I'm going to rotate, rotate, rotate quite a bit. So even if you get to the click as you're drawing back because you're still not used to it, it's not just going to go off. Like the way my too smooth is set right now, if you're to draw back and get to the click, you you should be scared because it's going to, like, before you probably get it to your face, it's going to go off. Well, and so, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if, so if you were going to recommend one, I would certainly, from my perspective even, like, recommend the click because, like I say, oh, it's yeah. like a, you know. I, Some people say, well, the click will cause you, to, that'll give you target panic. Well, and you can still see it. Like, even, like, when we're messing around with a bow. And I'm so focused on the bow and like the draw cycle and I'm doing stuff and all of a sudden it goes click. It I clicks. can see John then I react. I get a little, you know, like, is it the bow or you know, like I'm I'm waiting for something to happen to bow and then all of a sudden the There's release clicks, but I'm not I'm not even focused on that. So yeah, it gives me a little jump, I'm like, oh whoops. But in my shot process, like when we're shooting it it doesn't, you know, normally do that. But. Yeah. So, like I say, I was I was just thinking, like in terms of like if you're going to wreck, like, is there a difference between like the too smooth or the ultra view? I mean, so yeah, like the it's definitely got a different angle in the head and where the head's placement, you know. So that's what I I really like the like I said, I would recommend the, the ultra view because of you can change it without replacing it, like. Like oh, I want to shoot a two two finger. Well, then it's you a bit get more versatile. Then. then I get my you know like my my Carter like the two smooth. It's a two finger. You can hang the third finger on it, but if you wanted the actual third finger, now you got to buy it in the three finger. Like, but Dudley doesn't even sell it as a three finger. I'm sure Carter has their other hinge. So with their modular system, you know what is it twenty bucks? Like okay. Well, basically, you got three different releases. Like, you get a two-finger, the three-finger, the four-finger. You take the click out. You got four different releases all in one. And so... And you can it, really figure out what works right. best for you without spending, you know, 200 200 200 200 300 whatever. thousand dollars in your shooting belt. I was thinking about that the other day because I'm like, there's a knock to it in there. I'm like, again, I'm coming the archery nerd. Like it's just, <laughs> so, everything's full circle. Yeah, I pull out my bag and I'm like, oh, shit, I got... I should just sell some of these releases and I could afford my new bow. Like, right. <laughs> so anyway, um, like, uh, like I said, I, John's back now. I just wanted to kind of 
see how everything went and kind of like, oh man, that guy's back. We like when it was just Adam. <laughs> well, you've, you you've said all the words here, <laughs> but <laughs> exactly a bunch of gibberish. <laughs> but we, um, like I said, we've got that bow that we're testing out. The releases, the sights, rests. I got I got the Silent Night fletchings. They sent us some of those, and then I got some of those. Um, super sabers or silent sabers from from kyle yeah so um, that's i just got the glue in the mail today too and that's what so maybe even yet tonight depending on what time it is i was gonna go home and fletch up what's funny is you say fletching fletching is actually feathers mm-hmm. you know we go do veins uh but so i'm gonna redo my target arrows so that way i can shoot you're gonna vein some arrows i'm gonna vein some arrows <laughs> i'm gonna be very vain tonight uh, but no, um, uh, I will have a full, like four arrows for Wednesday night, the final night <laughs> that, uh, that way I can shoot first on my, you know, like <laughs> all right, championship. Go, all right. Go ahead. You can wreck a couple of my arrows, Ernie. <laughs> oh, all right. We'll keep you guys updated as far as what's going on, uh, with the podcast tack. Um, super excited for that. Um, hopefully our condo is close enough to the the center i don't think it's going to be that far away oh no. um, i mean looking on the map we're we're just I mean, we're about be, as close as we can get yeah but so for our the cookout's going to be saturday night um now we're bringing we're bringing the camp chef yeah we're going to bring a smoker again and i mean if you want me to bring the the two burner, I can bring that. And no, I just meant the, the smoker. Yeah, we'll bring the... Because we're going to do pork butts again. Pork butts. And then I think, I don't know if you've ever done uh, one of our Patreons, Robbie. He was like, I think this would be good for tack. You know, he, he was there last year. Um, but do like some of the smoked queso. Oh, yeah, that would be really good. I mean, it's easy. You know, it would be go over well, feed a whole bunch of people. I might have to bring a chunk of Wahoo up. I don't, I'm not bringing up, I mean, I brought back some, but not enough to like feed the whole crew, but we can at least have some to try. For the Patreons. You know? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you hear about this Wahoo, like, yeah, hey, let me taste it. Yeah. So, it's much better fresh. Like we ate probably a quarter of the fish raw. Like it was just amazing. But I'm really looking forward to that because, I mean, it's a chance to go do what we like to see, you know, all of you guys to hang out and talk hunting, talk archery nerd stuff, which I'm, you know, basically in the club now. So, yeah, super excited. <laughs> Greg's going to be here. Yep. Litzinger is going to be staying with us. And uh, we'll see if we can get some more stories about John at ATA out of him uh, if you if you show up. Because I was just recounting to John stories that he's like, I don't even remember that at oh, all. Shit. <laughs> so oh, man. Be sure to uh, stop by for that. Yeah, that that's a Patreon only, like, in-person <laughs> story. That's not going to be, you know, we're not putting that on the podcast. <laughs> uh, Propping me up in the corner and shit like Bernie. <laughs> Yeah, That's my yeah. new nickname, a Bernie. <laughs> so, anyways, Not Bernie Sanders, either. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. uh, I think that's kind of all we got. I mean, you got anything else, John? No, kind of. I'm stuck here for another year at least. So, <laughs> all righty. Well, I think that's all we got for the evening. Thanks for listening, and uh, see you look later. forward to seeing you guys up at Tech. <laughs>